everyone. I hope you're having a good week. Welcome you all to our third meeting this week. We to talk about the educator practice. And after that, we would spend some time to discuss our PP4C, which stands for the program partners. Talk about a contract for the PP4C project. So what do you think about this plan? I think it's great. Yeah, okay, lovely. So now I would like to start with the document perceptions that early learning teachers have uh, about outdoor play and nature written by Desi and Kashin. So throughout this document, the two authors research about early childhood development and barriers to design outdoor activities. The uh, analysis they made uh, was uh, help us insert three three core questions. The first question was: uh, Is the na nature-based early learning, uh, early childhood education movement and forest and nature movement influencing your program or practice? The second question is: uh, What is your role in advancing? And the third question was, uh, what are the barriers and challenges of the outdoor play portion of your program? So in my opinion, early childhood educators and practitioners could benefit from uh, this document as we can gain more perspectives about the role of nature-based learning environment in children's life, as well as uh, be aware of the obstacles arising from either external or internal causes. So um, what stood out for you you uh, with this document? So like, uh, yeah, so anybody would like to share first? Um, if I can go first. Um, yeah, so sure. from the reading, I was surprised that despite, yeah, despite all of the research, um, indicating how important outdoor play is in influencing children's development and in all the other areas. I was just surprised that there's still so many challenges with providing quality outdoor environments. Um, and the article states that it may be due to limited resources or a lack of access and training for ACs, like specifically related to outdoor play and pedagogy programs. But I was still quite surprised to read that there isn't something more being done to combat this. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Nadi, and I was also surprised with this. And while I was reading and I was wondering what can we do to, you know, solve this problem and how to give proper outdoor environment to children. Like, I was very curious to read more and I was, I kept on thinking whole the day about that. Yeah. What can we do? Yeah. Yeah. And what can we do? Caitlin, do you want to share something? Um, yeah, so <clears throat> uh similar to like Natalie and Japanese, that like also stood out to me as well. But then um at like the end of the article it shows like a chart and it says um like sixty-one percent of the participants uh, were not like influencing um their practice based on the movement so like the movement that they did in like 
uh, learning about like the outdoor education, it didn't even influence their practice and they didn't like change their practice to incorporate more outdoor play. And I thought that like number was just really high that 61% of them didn't even like try to incorporate anything new even after like learning about all that and all the information that was provided to them. Yeah, that's really unfortunate. It's actually really disheartening to see educators not making use of all the resources they have. Like besides just the online stuff that we have, mm -hmm. like for example, the resources we were given this week, like it's even in the Canadian legislation that children need to have a certain number of hours every single day, like a minimum of, I believe, a single hour every day, like every single day of their time at a daycare center. To be outside. So yeah, I, think I like wonder why. In itself shows. Yeah, right. I really, I wonder why that is. Uh, you know, that uh, I think children um enjoy more being outside and um they learn more because according to my experience, as in my childhood, I always wanted to be in an outdoor environment. Maybe it's yeah. I feel like I agree with you. Yeah, and I just feel like children have much more to learn from being outside and like in just natural resources and just being inside, you know, because I feel like the outside world is a bit more unpredictable. You know, you never know when a whole flock of birds might just fly over your head. You don't know when it's going to rain or if it's going to be sunny or cloudy. I feel like children just naturally have a lot more to learn when they're outside and there's exploring more materials, more substances. It's a lot about risks, like uh, safe risks, not ones that like are actually dangerous, but risks that are found in the outdoors, things you might not have inside. Right, there's a lot more risk to play, which is good. From Desert and Cousin's document is that uh, they find out that more than 80 percent uh, of the respondents identify that the more they engage with children outdoors, the more benefits they were seen for children and for themselves, such as happiest children, more pro, pro uh, social engagement among children, and a re reduction in the amount of adult intervention intervention required during the uh, educators could recognize the benefits that children could gain from playing outdoor and then they can come up with more ideas and plans and yeah yeah I think uh, recognize um, uh, your uh, philosophy and your practice would be uh, a foundation for the the following steps. Yeah, that's yeah. so true, Rachel. If you yeah. know how important it is for children, like know all the details and the research, you kind of have no excuse to avoid making an effort to create quality outdoor learning environments. Like you can't say, oh, I didn't know, because if we're sharing the research and really knowledgeable about it, yeah, you know, if you don't put it into practice, it's just a complete waste, really. And there's no excuse to, to avoid it. Yeah, I agree with you, Natalie, because like even if you think about just what we've learned so far and we're only in like third semester like I feel like we've learned and had like access to so much that like so many resources that we can utilize in our practice so like there's no reason for someone who's already like got their degree and has worked in the field to say that they don't have access to like resources or they don't know anything ab enough about it. Mm -hmm. 
It's like these yeah. resources are a good thing. They're there yeah. to help us and help children and families. Yeah, right. So uh, speaking about the internal and external barriers, uh, is there anything to which you make a connection from your own experiences? Anyone want to go first? No. Yeah, I can go first if you don't mind. Sure. No, go for it. Oh, yeah. So um, the author mentioned one of the barriers is um, early childhood professional available training that is specific to outdoor program. I agree with this point since we have uh, been learning about uh, the emergent curriculum, how to design, organize things to trigger children's curiosity and learn, learning process, just to name a few, but everything is um, mostly tailored uh, for the indoor space. And based on this survey, uh, the authors reveal that out of 207 responses, 61% uh, respondents suggested that as to try their own exposure to. And one respond, uh, one responded articulated that something that can interfere with outdoor play is the attitude attitude of the educator towards outdoor play, uh, scheduling and additional expectations. And furthermore, um, sorry, I'm just come up with uh, a little bit data so <laughs> to give you a big picture of what they're expecting. And uh, one of the most uh, significant barriers cited by more than 90% of the participants uh, was around the belief and lived experiences with the provincial provincial uh, license if children get hurt and family attitude uh, about outdoor play uh, based on the early learning teachers experiences have considerable um, influence on programming experiences and attitudes of both children and early learning teacher in their practice and outdoor play. But I think that luckily now we have access to online resources so we can look for more outdoor activities designed by other professionals and we can get some ideas and de develop from that. For example, you may remember the pathway to stewardship um, Kelly and Jacob presented to us uh, the other day. I think this project uh, would be a perfect resource to study since I could um, gain many ideas for the children. For, uh, they provide many ideas for, for children for each age group and people uh, can contribute their photos about their activities with children. We could be inspired from these endless uh, sources, but again, it's still tricky to identify the assessment. Might be confused of what to do if they don't have enough skills to design and ensure the well-being of children. So those are some barriers that I have learned from the document. Yeah. It's interesting because I was not aware about any barriers about and uh, it seems like learning is endless like yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah and it, like, no, it, it is so true yeah 
that reminded me of an example of um it's kind of off topic but of my childhood um my i had i was my parents both worked full time so i was being taken care of by my grandparents on each side and my grandma on my mom's side would always have us inside she wouldn't take us out very often and my grandpa on my dad's side he would take us out every single time he would take care of us we'd be at the zoo we'd go to the gardens we go to the park all the time and some of my strongest memories are with him because he really really enjoyed the outdoors and we could see that in him and he fostered that in us and he's always inspiring us by talking about nature and i just like i remember how much i learned and developed and grew as a person from experiences with him versus um being with her we mainly she'd put us in front of the tv or you know we wouldn't be doing that as much and like i can definitely see the barriers to that like she probably didn't have much experience or knowledge but he um was a farmer so he knew a lot about the outdoor world and nature and yeah it just i can kind of practically apply that to my life yeah, that's so great yeah so like it's so true that they they pointed out that um maybe the lack of outdoor place space and materials um could be a, a con contributor to early learning teachers not wanting to be outdoors and they might be like family could be he uh, could be he hesitated uh when it comes to the teachers experiences with outdoor place and like you know how, how they can measure the, the risk uh, level of the play and this is uh, one of the most uh, significant uh, barriers cited by more than 90% of the participants in that survey and it, yeah they, they talked about the uh, lead uh, experiences with uh, provin provincial license guidelines and the liabilities if children get hurt so like uh, due to the uh, provincial legislation guidelines and those are some practical barriers that I think that it would affect uh, our practice a lot. The professional documents would be a um, barrier. Like I kind of know, but from the article, like I, I don't know, did you understand that better than me? Because like, I'm just curious what your thoughts are on that. Oh yeah, so like um, I might have some legislations uh, about that, but like if the educators are not well trained uh, for the outdoor program, that uh, we like we could we couldn't ensure the well-being of children, right? Makes sense. Like the government documents will say, like it's kind of contradictory. They'll say, oh, it's so important to have outdoor play-based learning and in nature, but at the same time. There are things like you have to make sure you don't have too many children and that there's the children are always being supervised and that there's no risks. So it's like you can't prevent all of the risks and it's just it takes a lot of personal reflection and critical thinking to figure out what are the actual risks and what we can do to to find the biases that we have about nature like risks in nature they're they're not always as bad as we might think like climbing a tree yes they might fall but at the same time if, if it's only like two feet it's okay if they you know take that risk and experience um experience things for themselves
Yeah. It depends on yeah. the educator, it depends on the balance. Yeah, I think so, when children take risk, um, they themselves come to know what's safe for them and what is not safe for them, and they don't go to that particular place if it's not safe. You know. Yeah. Yes. So it's to find it. Uh, it's really tricky to identify the acceptable risky play because, like, uh, like maybe we have a different. Um, a difference, uh, I don't know, like different sense or. Yeah. It's really, it's really irrational. Yeah. Right. They come from so many different places. I guess that's why it's so important to engage in reflective practice and um, think about what our own biases are regarding that. So, uh, do you get, can you guys think of any other uh, barriers? Is from within or so, external source? Say one of the recommendations on the doc on the article is improving confidence in early learning and childcare teachers. So like we finding ways to um, like support each other, like how we are, you know. Yeah. Right. Um, one barrier that just came to my mind right now is that um, it probably would depend on each individual child. Like maybe not majority of the time, but it could depend on each individual child how much, um, how like they can go outside. Basically, like if a child, if it's like winter and the child doesn't have appropriate clothing because he simply can't afford appropriate clothing to be outside for that long, you know, mm -hmm. that's also a barrier mm -hmm. for like a child yeah. who can't mm -hmm. afford clothing yes. to start, you know. So I that could also you. be a barrier. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They, Thank you. Yeah. Like financial issues as well. Yeah, that's actually a really I'm, good point. Yeah. What do you think we could do to help that? Um, I mean, I think. Go on, Chanze. I mean, I'm just like thinking a lot, but like, you know, the educators could take a step and discuss with their families and then try to get some government help, maybe, maybe do what they can, I guess. Like, I think you have to find, you'd have to look into legislation, how you can get help for that, I guess. Hmm. Uh, one thing I would like to discuss. Uh, go on, go. Uh, uh, I just want to ask you guys, um, can the like daycare centers provide the winter clothing for them? Like just uh, those clothes they can wear in the center when they have to go out and then they can uh, keep back it. I'm not sure, I'm just confirming. At my own, they did something like that. Um, you would have, they would ask people to bring in donations, like just clothes that extra winter clothes for people. And that's what we did. The people in charge of that would distribute the clothes to, to the children who didn't necessarily have everything they needed, like winter boots and all of those things. So you can just ask the classroom, the families. Mm -hmm. Okay, makes sense. 
Like, I remember when I was a child in kindergarten, we had separate indoors and outdoor shoes, but children who didn't have separate indoor shoes were given a different pair of slippers. And I understand that slippers are comparatively much cheaper than old snow coats, but still, you know, if that's a possibility, just having an extra one or two for that specific age group, I don't think it would hurt. Yeah. Oh, um, um, as I like, collect, uh, sorry, you you go on, Jeffrey. Yeah, yeah, I just wanted to share the example. Like in the school where I used to study, so uh, in like my school, like they should collect the money like in the as a charity or donation, and with those money they they would help the children like who belong from poor family and whatever they need uh, my school staff would provide them it was there in my school and i don't know what about here that's a lovely concept yep all right rachel would you like to continue Oh yes, so um, uh, so we we've been talking about the result uh, from the survey of um Daisy Cashin, but I would uh, I would like to talk a little bit about the surveys that um our instructors uh, have us uh, uh, have us do with as first students, and I might share my screen show you like some obstacles to the outdoor play that um, uh, the students uh, thought about. So it, it may be uh, more like personal thing, but uh, I think it would be helpful for us to analyze it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm just going to share. I think so. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. So the survey was uh, conducted uh, for the age range from uh, eight to seven yeah, eight to uh, seven to eight years and eleven months, and the, these are the respondents and. Um, I would say, like, yeah, I uh, collected uh, some obstacles. They say uh, having few objects to play with, uh, having the right, uh, not having the right clothing for the weather being too cold, too hot, having limited time to play, having to participate in organized activity, and having a dose close by uh, to control their play in some way. So what do you think about this result? I think it's kind of personal and uh, it, it depends on each uh, person, but like we can uh, like we can understand partly what impact uh, on uh, a child's play. It's nice to have that personal note to it because it, it feels like it's coming from people who had experience rather than like maybe a document that is more broad and that doesn't stem from somebody who has been through this. Like, I appreciate that these obstacles um, are realistic and they help us to really think about, you know, what what we can combat like Shanze mentioned not having the right clothing for the weather and the obstacle here also touches on that 
So it's clearly something that that is important and relevant to talk about and discuss. Yeah. Yeah, I think the, uh, the document that we've been talking about uh, would do wonders for educators, like uh, in our professional practice, but like for um, our like per from our personal lenses, uh, this survey uh, would be the best idea. Yeah, it helps to to for us to have something to yeah. apply to. Yeah, yeah, and the respondents also implied that uh, uh, what supported their play was uh, having regular uh, regular access to the play space, feeling safe, having uh, adults close by, having time, having no structure activity, um, and uh, having the correct clothing. Yeah. Yeah. So like if, if we know um, we would be able to uh, try ways to support them with, with this. Yeah, we could do that, Rachel. Um, okay. <laughs> okay, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I'm thinking. Just like, okay. anybody wants to go first, you can go first. Um, I I guess it's kind of an idea, but I was also just thinking like um, the elements that like these people said like supported them in their outdoor play. It sounded like the elements were like strongly connected to the adults in their life and what the adults like provided for them, like giving like allowing them time to go outside and like having spaces that make them feel safe and having like the adults nearby so I think um to like ensure that we can like incorporate outdoor play it would basically just be giving the children the opportunity to actually go outside and like give them spaces where they feel confident enough to play and like explore yeah I totally agree you know yeah, what uh, what the Go ahead, Natalie. Um, go on. Oh, I was just going to say to add to that, also modeling to children in the um, in nature, like along with providing the environment, also showing that we're interested and that we want to be there and that we're curious. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's that a really good point. Yeah. Oh, go on. Okay. I think you were going to say something else. <laughs> yeah, that's like, I was just going to say that's like a really good point because I think there's like a huge difference like when children interact in a space. So like if they see like the educator standing off to the side and like being distracted and not like engaged or really like even paying any attention at all, it can kind of, I think, make them really hesitant on what they do. And I think they want to be more cautious in what they're doing, whereas if they see an educator like let's say sitting on the ground and like interacting with things i think the children are more likely to go over and kind of like almost mimic what they're doing or ask them questions and like be curious about what's actually going on instead of like being really like hesitant and laid back in their play mm -hmm. yeah that makes me think of some was somebody else going to say something 
Oh, no, no, no. Just go on now. Yeah, do you see something? No, no, thank you. Uh, I'm good. All right, go ahead. Oh, that makes me think about um, what we learned like in the last couple of semesters. Caitlin, like paying attention to the entire process of children rather than just looking at um, the outcome because children, they want to see that we're watching them throughout what they're doing. If they're creating something outdoors. If they're playing in a certain way, they want to see us watching them in the moment rather than just seeing the end product or the end result of their play because it's what they're, they're learning through um, play that matters even sometimes more than the outcome. Yeah, so I think I you're right. Like, yeah. Yeah, I think it's important for like the educators themselves to be involved in like the process of play rather than like, let's say the child like makes something outside and then they go to the educator and say, look at what I made. Then the educator says like, oh, like that's great. Whereas if the educator was like there with them, they can have like those conversations and the child can ask questions. And the educator can also ask the child questions to get them thinking and like build on to their knowledge. And interactions are very important. So based on the result uh, that we have just discussed and um, and uh, and the uh, results from the document to uh, like uh, there are some recommendations from Daisy and Kashin and them to uh, address uh, these barriers. So five uh, so five recommendations are providing online learning and training. Uh, opportunities, improving confidence in early learning childcare teachers by providing access to um, professional learning uh, opportunities that support learning and engaging in outdoor play practices, increasing in intentional programming and creating a and attitudes toward outdoor play. So out of five recommendations which one would you think would suit uh, the most for uh, educators to improve their practice uh, can i go first yeah sure um so when i was <clears throat> looking <clears throat> looking at the surveys um i noticed a few of um the individual says like as an adult, they don't feel as confident being outside. And um, some of them mentioned like, they feel like really stressed and anxious. So I was just thinking like, since like, obviously they're in the ECE program, I was looking at the recommendation of improving confidence in early learning and childcare teachers, because um, these individuals, it sounds like they already have like barriers and their attitudes towards outdoor play might not necessarily be positive because they themselves feel anxious and stressed when they're outside. So adding on that they're going to be working with children and they have to like ensure that these children are also safe outside. It sounds like they have like a lot of anxiety around it. And I think like a recommendation would be to like help them improve their confidence so that they can be able to be more confident in um, nature themselves 
but then also when you add on like 15 children they feel confident in that setting as well and i think that goes along so well with the perception um the recommendation create a shift in perceptions of attitude towards outdoor play like I think that when we do um, advocate for play um, and we, you know, try to fight, not fight, but, you know, think about quality outdoor play experiences in a more positive light, like that will really help what you mentioned, Caitlin, come across and give educators the confidence to feel comfortable and um, competent in the outdoor environment themselves before translating that to children. Yeah, I agree. I think those are like two like good recommendations that like go really closely together because like even these individuals, they said they all had positive experiences being outdoors as a young child. But as they grew up and they could see like all the risks and like um, like all the harm that could happen, it's made them anxious and they don't feel as comfortable being outside anymore. We're going to... I'm gonna say like that it makes sense that as we grow up like we are more fearful and like we uh we we are always cautious about everything compared to when we were little i feel that way too yeah i oh shanzi you're, you're gonna say something oh no it's over my mic right now sorry um there was noise around me I personally don't feel that way, Rachel, but, and it's kind of hard for me to put myself in another person's shoes when they feel like more insecure in the outdoor environment. So I'm wondering as somebody who can't relate as much, like, like I want to understand that perspective of not feeling as confident. And I want to know what I can do to, to support educators who might not feel as confident in, in supporting children in the outdoor environment and in having that for themselves like you know i don't know if that came across yeah i Can get what you mean natalie yeah so you mean like confidence of course right never mind as in their ability of like how they will perform how they will support a child in the outdoor learning environment okay sorry um i'm really sorry like i was trying to talk okay. about rachel was saying more along the lines of her personally like she says like she's not as confident herself so i was wondering like what is that like and how can we support each other if we're not as um as uh comfortable and confident in the outdoor environment ourselves i just wanted to clarify that actually and i can actually relate to that rachel um i i think you're talking about like personal issues i think that's what i got because like personally myself too like i used to be a really sporty kid i used to love going outside all the time but then since I got older, and then I think I told you guys before, like there are more restrictions in Asian households. So I wasn't able to go out very much because I don't know. But now that like I try and go out, walk around or like try get into sports, I just feel really uncomfortable. Like, I don't think I would say I'm uncomfortable with my body. I, I guess I just hate sweating. I'm afraid I'm gonna get hypoglycation from the sun. Like personal insecurities, I guess, you know? More about that because that's something that was really like yeah. it stuck to me after from our last week. Like I kept thinking 
about that, like how I want to understand that experience more. Um, well, if you want me to elaborate, it's like, I don't know, I just don't feel comfortable, you know, like you feel clammy. It's like, I just want to get inside. I just want to be in a cool area. I just want to be in the shade. I just, I'm just really outside. Like you're like, like in, literally outside of your comfort zone, you know? Yeah, and, like, you know, we all have those areas like in life my we're more comfortable, we're more uncomfortable. Yeah. Go on, Rachel. Uh, and, and I think uh, Caitlin will talk to that. Oh, oh, sorry. sorry. <laughs> it's so hard yeah, with the video chat to know, like, who's talking and who's talking. Yeah, so, yeah, I was just going to say that um, I think in my case, um, the main reason is that uh, due to lacking, I've lost some skills that I've uh, uh, that I gained when I was little and, you know, like, um, as time goes by, I, I don't practice or use it anymore. So sometimes I'm less confident because I, I don't think that I could be able to uh, do a certain, a certain thing with uh, those skills anymore, you know. Yeah, it's like if you did it in a long time, it might not be as strong. Or you might, I you might you. feel like more insecure. Like, for example, I was trying to teach my little brother how to play badminton. And when I was nine years old, 10 years old, I was fantastic at badminton. Like, I was great. You know, I used to play at school too. And yeah. but when I was trying to teach him, I suddenly got all insecure. I'm like, I want to be a good teacher, but I don't think I'm going to do a good job. And he kept laughing at me. <laughs> and yeah. It just makes you more hesitant to try and do things again, I guess. Yeah, like I, I like I used to uh, my third grade, and uh, I used to swim in like three meter pool, and I had no problem with that. But like right now, uh, I'm a little bit hesitated about that because it's been a long time, so I'm not very confident about okay. that. And it sucks when you're like, you used to be really good at something, but now since you're out of practice, you're just like seeing you try to do it again, but it doesn't work out the same way. It's just kind of disheartening and you don't want to try again. Yeah. yeah. About all the benefits Least of outdoor play. Drop and just do. Yeah. the benefits of outdoor play for children kind of change your perspective on your own relationship with it? Does it make you want to challenge yourself? Like, how does it make you like react or respond towards towards that? Yeah. Oh, Rachel, do you want to go ahead? Oh, no, I was just going to say that uh, as we issues in our um, the issues that we are having, maybe we can help children uh, to acquire skills and uh, like continue exploring and learning. Right. Yeah. So like, do you have any ideas to add on? Yeah. Like, I guess for a personal example, like, because I'm actually learning a lot, like there's a lot in our course that we can apply to our personal lives, I believe. And especially like you see those things 
like what you should be giving to children and you kind of recognize what you didn't give much as a child and like thankfully i did have a really good childhood where i actually played outside a lot too but i feel like now that i'm older i'm like wow i'm missing out on a lot of that childlike wonder i had you know and so i've been like applying that to my real life like my life today too that i'm like okay i'm gonna start going outside i'm gonna start going to the neighborhood park i'm gonna take my brother with me i'm gonna walk my dog who's barking in the background yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah thank you yeah. for sharing so do you guys those are all good points and i'm curious yeah yeah sure it's what caitlin and Japan kind of feel around these topics like how are you both we didn't hear from you about this question like how are you guys feel about how do you feel about the outdoor environment like what's your relationship like with being in nature and the outdoor world yeah, so I was actually going to say earlier that I agree with you, Natalie, because when I read the surveys, I thought it was really interesting, like, seeing that um, these individuals had, like, really positive experiences, like, being outside when they were younger, but as they got older, it's almost like it didn't really, like, it, like, changed, and, like, like I don't understand that. Like, I had, like, I had really positive experiences as a child, and even now, I still feel like I'm like fairly confident being outdoors and I do like lots of things outdoors and I don't think I would have an issue like being in a childcare center and having to do like outdoor activities or like outdoor play or like participate in that. So I thought it was like really interesting reading from another perspective and like hearing like their thought process. And then even when Rachel and Shanze were talking, like because they went into more detail I thought it was just really interesting to see like a different perspective that like I don't really understand myself it's so good to hear other people's perspectives it just opens the door to so many possibilities yeah I never like I never I guess really considered it considered it or I was like just really like narrow-minded like kind of thinking mm -hmm. like we've heard a lot like if you have positive experiences as a child you're probably going to have positive experiences as an adult and like I no one's ever really talked about like what happens if you don't have a positive experience as an adult like how can that affect like your practice or even just like you yourself in general like being outdoors oh yeah good point yeah it's something to think about for sure yeah Yeah, so Japanese do. Yeah, I agree with you, Paige. Yeah. Mm. Okay, so uh, yeah, I, I think that would be a thing for this week uh, reading. So now, do you want to move to the BB4C contract? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah sure. Um, okay, so uh, Caitlin, can you uh, can you fill it out for us? Uh, I've already got it up. Okay, thank you. Yep, I'm ready so, to fill it out whenever, like, you're good to go. Um. Okay, so here's the team contract. Yeah. And uh, we'll talk about the date and place for a regular team meeting first. So what time will we work uh, best for you? After um, COP. 
Sorry. After course. Like after uh, after like once we are done with our course on Thursday. Um, yeah, that works for me. What about you guys? I have a class on at Thursday. one. So like that oh, actually, I do too. Yeah. 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 We have a communications class. I'm doing that. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was just checking for myself. Like, oh, really? Press three. Okay, with any time before 12 p.m. So... It's pretty early for you guys, so like you can just tell me what's suitable. Even 1 p.m. Honestly, if you want to do that, like I just don't want to go later. Oh, like, it's like nine uh, hours difference, and I don't want to go later than that. My sleep schedule is messed up. I'm sorry. Or maybe like one hour before the COP. What do you think? Like uh, usually we would start the COP at 12, but can we start at 11? Like to to do the. Uh, I and Shanze have class. Like oh oh, COB, oh yeah, oh yes, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, <sorry>. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Hmm. What about Tuesday? Oh no, time difference. Um. What about what Tuesday morning? Like kind of early, or would that be too much for you guys? What about Wednesdays for you guys? What about on Monday? I only have one class on Monday. That's. Monday. Yes, well. I have two. They have classes. Guys, how are Wednesdays for you? Um, Wednesday. Yeah, I have one class. Yeah, Wednesday we have one class, but I um I always work usually at either noon or one o'clock on a Wednesday. Oh, it's really early Monday, in the morning. So... Yeah. So, uh, well, what time on Monday are you thinking of? Um, well, the only class I have on Monday is from four to six, so like any time before would be fine. Okay, yeah, so I want to do so two, two, three. Uh, actually, four. on Monday, um, I think um, I have class from one to two. Then I have one more gap, like two hours. Then I have class from four to six. What if yeah. we do between um one yeah, to four? Does that work one for everyone? To four. Two to yeah, three p.m. for me. Wait, one second. One second. Yeah. Oh, did you say one to four? Yep. Uh, two to three. No, so one to four. One to four. Okay, I have a class at four p.m. on on Monday. Okay. Yeah, I do um, have chance to be both have the class from four to six, right? Right. Okay. I have a gap from two to three p.m. Like I have class of Lindsay at one to two. Me too. I also have. I have idiocy ninety one. What do we all have? One p.m. What did you have from three to four? Yeah. So about what about two, two, three, or three, two, four? Yeah. Any any work for me between these two hours? On yeah. Monday. 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 So Monday. Yeah. Monday. Monday. Yeah. Yep. Maybe we're flexible before uh, between uh, two to four. Yeah, I was going to say, we can kind of leave the time open because I don't know if every week we're going to yeah. have to meet, right, regularly. Because, like, after this submission, yeah. we don't have anything again until, I think, like, week 12 or 13. Yeah. 
Sure. So we'll just leave it open then oh. from like Monday anytime but between one to four. Yeah, I'll just two write down. Four, actually. Two to four. Guys. Two to four. Okay. Oh, I'm confused. I have a class at 1 p.m. Me too. I have class from one. Oh, yeah, yes. So two to four. Two to four. Yeah, two to four. <laughs> okay, it's only an hour long, right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So are we good with time? Mm -hmm. I believe so. Yeah, so the next one is the methods of communication. So via email, Teams, email. Webex? Yeah, Webex. Webex. Yeah. Teams, yeah. And one thing So what about a decision making policy? Uh, decision will be taken by consent of oh, decision making policy by a majority vote or some some other ways. Mm -hmm. Yep. I mean, a vote that do you guys want to vote or should we just do like a like? Do you guys agree? Yes, no. I mean, I think yeah, so far when we. When we make decisions, we all make sure that we all agree. So that would be um, by consent of all members. So then, like, can right. we all compromise and like make sure everyone's happy. So like that's what we've done so far. So we should probably just continue doing the same thing. Yes. Yeah. I totally. Agree. Yes. So like by consent then. So next um, method. Meeting attendance. I guess each week and like see what day works for everybody on Monday, anywhere between that time. Yeah. Yeah. You got it, uh, Kaylin? Yep method of record keeping will be responsible for recording and passing along information discussed during meeting yeah i think i could do that uh, yeah usually i will host a webex room <laughs> yeah team expectations Standards. What is a realistic level of quality? What individual success goals does each team member have? Oh, so the standards. Like each of us will uh, come up with one standard, right? With one standard, um, project standards. I guess communication to me is really important. Yeah. Is that what it's looking for in in this? Mm -hmm. Yes, I think so. Okay. What do you guys think? Um, for me, it's about support and pun uh, punctuality. Yeah, punctuality. Responsibility. And supporting each other. Yeah. Yeah, sure. that's a big one. 
if we don't feel supported, and we'll just be isolated. And, and I yeah. think uh, one important would be the we all will be giving respect to each other's ideas and beliefs. Yeah, compromise. Yeah, and like listen to each other without judgment and just hear each other's opinions and brainstorm freely. Yeah. Because, yeah, because productive. Okay, let's. Yeah, so strategies to fulfill these standards. Strategies, I think we just like all problems when, like, whenever we have, so that the group could support promptly. Yeah, I agree. So, like, be able to, like, message the group if we have questions or we need help. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it should be like ASAP because like we we should mm -hmm. some wiggle room to uh, address the problem. Um, I won't be like available like within like an hour to answer and get back to stuff on weekends. Like sometimes I'm busy on weekends, but I'll try my best to still work around that. I downloaded the Teams app on my phone, so I'm able to to check it on there if I can't get to my computer. Yeah. I could put um like the, this document into a Google Doc and then um for like people's um like uh, the project standards and like um, personal strategies and stuff like that people can like put in some bullet points if they want and then i can just uh fill it out once everyone adds in a little bit and then i can put everything in like paragraph format and like make it the way like that it's supposed to look if people want yeah okay yeah so i'll just put it into a group like i'll do it after the class i'll put it into a google doc and yeah. then like um, I could probably do it on the weekend if everyone's added in their stuff by then. Because I know it's not due until next Saturday, but I think yeah. we have quite a few assignments next week to do. So, yeah. And sure. Okay. Yeah. And now, yeah, I'm I'm gonna wrap it up real quick. Oh, isn't? And and that would be everything for this week's content. Thank you, everybody, for your contribution. It's been lovely sharing and inspiring one another through our discussions. Next week, we are going to talk about a topic, Play and Learning Outdoors, facilitated by Caitlin. Yeah, so I guess that would be everything. Mm -hmm. Thank you, everybody. You know... Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Enjoy your weekend. Okay, good job.